Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. We've been in the middle of a series. We've been traveling through the book of Ephesians. Um, we're going through chapters 1 through to 5. And uh, tonight we're actually finishing up in Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, we've been in the middle of our series called Identity. And uh, we've been looking at the church of Ephesians um, in, in Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. Um, and Ep- the church of Ephesus was planted in the city of Ephesus, obviously. And uh, the, the city of Ephesus is one of the seven major cities in Asia Minor. It's a Roman capital. And uh, Paul writes to the church in Ephesians to, um, to highlight some of the concerns he's got for the church. He's noticed that the, the city of Ephesus is a highly sexualized culture. There's a lot of uh, religious practice in the, ch- uh, in the city, but uh, he's just noticed that uh, there's just a sexualized culture that's creeping in. And people in the city were living according to their own desires, and they weren't used to living to a set of morals or standards. Uh, the city was in a complete state of anarchy, where they weren't recognizing uh, the authority of the church, essentially. And Paul writes to the church to warn them of the culture they are embedded in. In Ephesians 1, so at the start of this uh, book, essentially, uh, Paul writes... For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He's writing to the church to say that they are blameless and holy uh, when they are in God. Uh, And he's spurring them on. He's saying, you have to live holy lives as God's people. Uh, You are called to be holy and blameless as children of God, as people who have their identity in Christ. And today, as we finish up this teaching series, as I said before, we're going to be reading through Ephesians 5. And Paul is teaching the church what it meant not to engage in the culture of the time. And he reveals to them, he brings to them this alternative, uh, alternate message of hope, joy, and uh, speaks of the satisfaction we can have when living as Christians. And that was such a relevant message for the Christians uh, in the first century 2,000 years ago. And actually, it is such a relevant message for us here in 2022. So uh, before we kick off, uh, how about I pray? Uh, Father God, we just want to thank you uh, for your redemptive plan, Father, that we can live uh, in you. Uh, we can live life and lo- live life to the full because of uh, the grace of Jesus. Um, thank you that you've given Jesus on the cross so that we can restore to you, God. We thank you for the power in your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. And Father God, we just pray that tonight as we go through uh, what Paul has written to the church of Ephesians, may you speak to us through that. Uh, may it be a warning to us, but ultimately may it just encourage Encourage us and spur us on uh, to press on towards the goal. Uh, we uh, hand tonight over to you and just uh, prepare our hearts for you to minister to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up, my parents were a little bit protective over me. You see, I grew up in a Christian family, and uh, my parents had really good intentions to raise us in a, a, a healthy, uh, edifying uh, family that. Um, lives for God. 
And um, I was the oldest of three, which means my parents always had to make decisions uh, about how they uh, would allow us to live. And as the oldest kid, uh, they would have to uh, make those decisions uh, with me first. I always pushed the boundaries of what was allowed and what wasn't allowed. And I remember the day in primary school when my parents actually allowed me to go to my friend's birthday sleepover party. This was the first sleepover that us kids had been to. And uh, as the plans were being confirmed, my mum found out that our us group of friends were planning to go watch this M-rated movie at the cinemas. And this movie was filled with violence and drugs and coarse language, you name it. And my mum was quite concerned. And I remember her calling my friend's mum and saying, there is no way that she would allow me, I think it was grade five or six, there was no way she would allow me to go watch this movie. And uh, she wanted me to watch anything PG and below. Now, you can imagine, um, I'm not going to name the f my friend's mum's name, but um, I just remember as the, the sleepover kept going and we were enjoying ourselves, she kept making little comments and jokes uh, that they would just watch the movie in their media room with, um, you know, the recliners and everything, and they'll just set up a computer in the kitchen for me to watch the Wiggles. Um, <laughs> And, you know, she said it jokingly, all the boys had a laugh, and I, of course, forced myself to laugh as well because it was funny. Um, but it wasn't funny. I was actually quite embarrassed, and I felt frustrated because I just wanted to fit in with the crew, but instead it was just feeling, making me feel different and excluded from my friends. Not only did I feel embarrassed and different, I felt like I was missing out on something better that all my friends got to enjoy. And these feelings of exclusion and FOMO, as we call it, uh, was a consistent theme throughout uh, my upbringing. And as I said before, growing up in the church, I always felt like I was missing out on the things my friends at school were experiencing. And society, you know, labels Christians as living these boring lives, you know. What more can there be uh, to life than drugs, alcohol, and sex, right? What else could the world offer us? And I often wondered... How do we have a life filled with happiness when we are following Christ and pursuing holiness in our lives? Has anyone else tonight in your life wondered this question? Have you ever pondered this question? And looking back over my journey, I've picked up on two things that I think we can take away tonight. Firstly, we need to know who our friends are and how they influence us. You know, it's a common fact, we all know, it's been said before, uh, they say that your five closest friends uh, make up who you are as a person. And so we need to know how they are influencing us. We need to know who we're giving a position of influence to in our lives. And the second thing I think we can take away uh, from is, uh, from our high school experience, is that we, we live in a broken world of self-gratification and... Um, we live in this sexually charged culture, similar to the culture of Ephesians, uh, Ephesus, the city Ephesus. And yeah, today we have a truth to grab a hold of. We are promised, actually God promised us that it is great joy and fullness when firstly, we acknowledge the temptations of this world and the brokenness that are in ourselves. We experience great joy and fullness. Secondly, when we live in light, and we walk away from the things culture tells us, makes us happy. And thirdly, we are filled with joy and uh, fullness when we let his spirit fill us with his transformational power and incomprehensible joy. So firstly, we have to acknowledge the temptations of this world and the brokenness in ourselves. Now, we all know we live in a broken world. 
We live lives of emptiness. We're always looking for the next best thing. We're always looking for something to fill that aching void inside of our hearts. I don't know uh, if you've heard this saying, you probably have, but you know, people always say, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. And they say it's actually captured this theme that we're always looking for something better. It's a culture of consumerism and self-gratification. We live in this culture where you're living your best life and we want to experience all that the world has to offer. I said it before, sex, drugs and rock and roll, baby. Baby. Um, it's a culture of expressive individualism where, meaning, uh, where we find meaning by giving expression to our own feelings and desires. We get to live out and express our own feelings. And when we do that, that is how we live our authentic selves. That how, that's how we can be our authentic self, is when we live out our own desires. And as a culture, we've rejected authority and we've accepted our own autonomy. We live in a culture of anarchy where there's no recognition uh, of authority of religion. And uh, we just want to live out what feels good in the moment. And Charles Taylor, he's a Canadian philosopher. He writes, The understanding of life which emerges with a romantic expressivist of the late 18th century, that each of us has his or her own way of realising our humanity, and that it is important to find out and live out one's own, as against surrendering to conformity with the model imposed on us from outside by society or the previous generation or religious or political authority. We've rejected authority and we have taken on autonomy. This is the posture of our modern society. And I think in very similar ways, it was the posture of the Ephesian uh, city of Ephesus in uh, the first century. And Paul warns the church in Ephesus of the sexual behaviours of their city. Now, if you have your Bibles here tonight, I uh, invite you to open it up. We're going to turn to Ephesians 5. It's a passage we'll be sitting in tonight. And we're actually going to start from verse 3. So uh, open it up. The words will also be on the screen behind me. Let's read. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an adulterer, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. And at the start of this letter, Paul warns the church of the behaviours of the culture they are embedded in. And he's not just warning them of the sexual acts such as prostitution and adultery. He's actually warning them and he's calling them out on coarse joking and uh, foolish talk. And so Paul even says that uh, behaviour such as coarse joking is not appropriate for followers of Jesus. He's warning the church. You might say Paul is drawing a very harsh line here. Surely, uh, if you make a joke on the side, it can cause no harm, right? Uh, you just make a, a comment to the boys or, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, but Paul continues to say that we shouldn't be deceived because God's wrath will come to those who are disobedient. It's such a strong warning. When I read this the first time, I walked to Hannah's office and went, Hannah, how am I meant to preach this in two weeks? But, you know, the good news is uh, 
Jesus, oh, it's not good news. Jesus actually rebukes it as well. We'll get to the good news in a second, guys. Stay with me. Matthew 5, verse 27, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for you, uh, for your whole body to go into hell. All right, so time for some honest vulnerability. We're going to do this in reverse. Everyone put your hands up. Come on, everyone, hands up. We're all here. We're not going to judge each other. We're family, right? <laughs> so now you can put down your hand if... So you need to tick both boxes, right? You can tick, uh, put down your hand if you have never looked at someone in any different way than how you would look at your grandma or grandpa, (laughs) or if you've never made a coarse joke of any kind before. You can put down your hands. All right, everyone, look around, right? So we've all got our hands up. And, you know, if you've got your hand down, uh, I would like to sit with you and take notes because I don't know how you do it. I'd be very useful. All right. We can put our hands down. Guys, thanks for your vulnerability. (laughs) Now, what does this mean? Do we all have to cut off our tongues because we all fall short of what the world calls holiness, what the world calls purity? Should we start selling arms and legs when we fall short of living perfect lives? Well, the good news is, (laughs) luckily not. At the start of chapter 5, Paul writes... From verse 1. Yeah, there we go, guys. Don't worry. We're not going to, when we give you a piece of cake, start exchanging body parts. I don't know why I said that, but let's keep going. (laughs) Chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In verse 1 and 2 of this passage, Paul starts off his letter saying, guys, you have to live in the way of love. And the good news of the gospel is that Christ gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God so that we can walk in freedom because we know that Christ gave himself up for us and he took the shame that we carry, the burdens we carry, he took that to death on the cross with him. And so we can live as free heirs to his kingdom. So as we, we're invited to live as his holy people because Jesus died on the cross for us. And it's within our firm found, our position and foundation as God's beloved children that we must acknowledge the temptations we give into. And secondly, if we're going to experience the fullness and joy that God has for us, we have to acknowledge what we uh, give into and we have to live in the light and actually walk away from things culture tells us would make us happy. So we're going to read from uh, verse 8. We're going to continue in our passage. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Even though we are called to live holy lives... God actually knows that we are broken and he has made a way for us to be redeemed in him. 
Jesus, I said it before, Jesus lived a perfect life here on earth and he died a brutal, brutal death so we no longer have to live in shame. It's good news. Once we were living in darkness but now we can live in the light uh, of our Lord Jesus. And when we place our identity in Jesus, his blood washes away our sins and our brokenness and it allows us to stand in his righteousness and holiness. He lived a perfect life on earth. He didn't deserve the uh, death that he carried, that he lived for. He lived for to die. Um, he lived a perfect life, but he still died an undeserved death so that us deserving of death can step into his holiness. And that's what it means for us to inherit the kingdom of God. And this good news isn't just for a few of us. It's not just for the chosen ones. It's for everyone and anyone. This inheritance is for all of us. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, we don't have to face the wrath of God anymore that Paul spoke about just before. We are no longer condemned for their inner brokenness. It is good news. But we are called to action in verse 13, we keep reading, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as true... Oh, did I read that before? No. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. I did read this. Sorry, guys. Oh, it is the warning, yeah. So you know, okay, let's just go from there. Thanks, guys, for your patience. So um, he says we, we need to shine light, we need to step into light. That's what Paul's saying here in verse 13. Now, we know that when you shine a torch on something, when you light it up, there can't also be darkness, right? By definition, when you have light, you have light in the absence of darkness. They don't coexist, and you know, it's a similar analogy with oil and water. If you have a glass of water and you pour oil on the top, you know, automatically the oil just floats on top. They don't mix. And you can take a fork and try and mix it as much as you want. And eventually, the oil and the water will separate again. They don't mix. In the same way, when we step into our identity in Christ as God's children, uh, God's light will expose the darkness in us. The two don't mix. God's light and our darkness doesn't mix. And this might be a message for some of you to hear tonight. Perhaps living as a Christian your whole life, you're still participating in the activities that are not fit for God's plan. He's got a greater plan for you. And it doesn't have to be a big sexual sin either. It could be the uh, activities um, such as comedians that we, we watch or we follow or any of the numerous TV shows that we all watch. And you might say, but PJ, some of the shows aren't that bad. Like... It's just a good humour. It's just a feel-good romance, right? And look, I get it. A lot of media we consume is completely harmless. But you'll find within most of the things we expose ourselves to, there's a hidden seed. And when that seed gets planted in us, it can change our thoughts and it can change our desires in our minds over time. It can alter the way we think. It's a slippery slope. We think they're harmless, but those seeds get planted and eventually they grow up to be much bigger things. And we cannot live in an identity placed in Christ by just putting on our Sunday best for everyone else to see when we do things in secret. 
Now, earlier in the uh, series, we spoke about all of us being family, and what that means is we're actually invited into vulnerability uh, to share our burdens together and, and to encourage each other. And I want to take a moment to be vulnerable tonight. You see, um, let me find my spot. I experienced this in a very real way, so um, opening myself up to the things of the world uh, in my first year of uni. You know, I had the freedom to live independently. Mum wasn't saying no to sleepovers anymore or movies I was allowed to watch. My parents went overseas for three months and we were just able to do whatever we wanted without any consequences. And I would start watching all the violent, sexually like charged movies. I would uh, go to parties where everyone just got smashed. And, you know, eventually I was a bit out of place, but I found myself over a six-month period living within, with, with I, I was living in God's plan for my life. And then over six months, I started living uh, as a slave to the world. I would get drunk whenever everyone else went out, and I developed an addiction to porn. And my identity was found in a living my authentic self. I started living my best life, pursuing the things that my heart desired. And, you know, um, the world would tell us that that's, that's what it means to be happy. That's what we pursue. But you know what? I was so miserable. As only, luckily, one of my good mates approached me one day and said, hey, I need to talk to you about something. And he started opening up to me about some of the similar things he's been challenged with. And halfway through the conversation, I had to stop him and go, hey... You know, like, same, like, I'm going through the same stuff. And it's, it's only when we started sharing each other's burdens and encouraging each other that I found a way out. And by being vulnerable and encouraging one another uh, with God's truth and word, uh, we will be able to shine the light of Jesus on the darkness that had found its way in our hearts. In Romans 12, Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As we've uncovered, we're all called to live holy lives as living sacrifices to God. And there's a reason why God, uh, Paul, not God, uses a strong word of sacrifice in this passage. You see, to sacrifice something is to give it up. It's to offer it up. It's to give it away. To live as God's holy people, we have to say no to the world and say yes to what God has called us to. And you know, society would say that's boring. Most people have the opinion that Christians miss out. I was talking about that before when I was younger. But God has something far greater in store for us. This is the truth. And it means that sometimes we have to flee from our sinful impulses and cravings, our sexual desires, and instead we have to run after God and ask him to fill us with his spirit afresh. And for me, during my time at uni, that's what my friend and I did. We prayed for each other that we would be filled by God's Holy Spirit, that he would do a new work in us. We held each other accountable. And God has given us his spirit to dwell amongst us. He's here with us right now. In worship before he was with us, we could feel his presence amongst us. And we can know God intimately because of his spirit. All right, so we find joy and fullness in life 
when firstly, we acknowledge the temptations of this world and brokenness in ourselves. Secondly, by living in the light and walking away from the things culture tells us would make us happy. And lastly, we are filled with fullness and joy when we let his spirit fill us with his transformational power and incomprehensible joy. We keep reading in our letter, verse 15, Paul says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Paul encourages the church with a sense of urgency. We need to live as wise, not unwise, because the days are evil. The days are evil. Why is he saying that? He's saying the days are limited. He's not telling us to hurry up and get onto it because our salvation is going to expire. That's not how it works. Once our identity is in Christ, there's nothing that can take us out of our position in Christ. He's saying that our days are evil, that they are limited because we have limited time here on earth to share the good news. And as Christians, we know we're commissioned to share Uh, the good news of Jesus with those that we live, work, and laugh with. It's in Matthew 28. It's the Great Commission. And Paul's saying that we have to be very careful. If we tell the world that we are Christians, but we don't live out our values, we're sending them two different messages. We cannot say that we are Christian, that we have a new identity when our actions don't live it out. People will say we're hypocritical. And then look at how the media is portraying Christianity at the moment. We're being pinned uh, up uh, for holding society up to this moral standard that is in the Bible, but when we, we don't always live that out ourselves. And people don't trust the church because of this, and therefore they don't respect the authority of the church. And I'll be the first to admit, no pretenses, it is so hard to keep my desires in check 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's near impossible. And actually, if you admit it, it is impossible. But Paul gives us hope in verse 18. He says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. We've said it tonight. We are flawed human beings. We are inadequate. And all it takes for us is one frustrating conversation, one disappointing outcome, one setback. And in our natural (coughs) human nature, We look to the world for comfort. We look for the world uh, to fill that uh, dissatisfaction in our hearts. That's one little thing that takes us to fall back into the hole that uh, we found ourselves in before. Uh, Being in Christ, however, means that we no longer set ourselves apart, free to express our desires and feelings in pursuit of happiness. Instead, being in, when we're in Christ, we are set apart by God's power and grace. We can't set ourselves apart. We can't be holy. We can't put this up ourselves. And God helps us. And God helps us to obey. He promises to help us obey, and he gives us great joy as we obey. As we're continually filled with his spirit, as we desire his spirit over the things of this world, he gives us the power to obey this command. And through obedience, we can live in holiness in the moment. And through obedience, he will continue to make us holy as sinners. When we're obedient, he gives us joy. We can experience great joy. It's the fruit of the spirits. 
we experience love, we experience um, joy, as a whole range of other things that he fills us with. And how do we stay steadfast in this? How can we continually obey? Verse 19, Paul says, we do this by speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How great was it just worshipping before? I was just reminded afresh of the truths that we declare over ourselves. You know, great are you, Lord. The verse starts, you give life, you give hope, you shine light in the darkness. We're sitting battle belongs, and I'm trying to think of the, the bridge, the second part of the bridge. Something about about darkness and that God's power overcomes the darkness in our lives. I can't remember the lyrics. That's why we have lyric screens at the back as well, (laughs) to help us. Um, But you know, there's truth in the lyrics we sing. And there's two things that happens when we worship. Firstly, we get to sing praises to God, to give him thanks for his grace that he's shown towards us by giving Jesus. And secondly, we get to encourage each other and spur each other on as we praise God. And as we turn to God, he will sustain us and deliver us from our fleshly desires as we remind ourselves and we ask for him to fill us with his spirit. And as we ask him with our earnest hearts, as we desire his spirit, he will fill us afresh every time and he will transform our minds. We have to remind each other what it means to have identities that are anchored in Christ. And for the last passage in Romans 8, Paul writes from verse 12, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are of God, are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. We can all admit it. We can't change our behavior in our own strength. It's it's impossible. We're all inadequate. It's only through God's spirit when we step into the identity that he's called to, as we say no to the brokenness of the world and our own desires and we step into the light and ask God to transform us, that we can experience life and life to the fill as he fills us with the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm not sure where you guys are in your journey. Everyone is at a different stage and the good thing is God meets all of us where we're at. But God does want to meet you tonight where you're at. And there is a truth for us to grab a hold of tonight. I reckon there's two groups uh, here in the room. Some of you might be uh, feeling called to come come alongside someone else to encourage them and share the journey that God's taken you on. Uh, Maybe God has taken you on a similar journey to mine and he's transformed you, he's transformed your heart and mind. And tonight, as we've been talking about being a family and encouraging and spurring each other on, you've just been challenged with how you've been keeping that to yourself. And to be honest, a lot of the time, I don't share that vulnerably with others. So I've been challenged by that greatly, to share that with others. I reckon there's also a second group of people perhaps, and uh, maybe you're living a bit of a double life. And maybe tonight God's really convicted you of your behaviours and the things that you fall back on when life gets tough. You wear your Sunday best uh, when you're with your Christian friends, but during the week you might give in to the evil desires of your heart. 
And if you're really honest, you know there are things in your life that are self-seeking and self-gratifying. And uh, maybe tonight you feel that this mask that you're putting up in front of your friends is a bit tiring. You feel fatigued. You don't know if you can still pretend to live a life pleasing to God and upholding the call He has for you. But do you know what? God wants to meet you there tonight. He wants you to come to Him. He wants to embrace you in His arms. There's nothing that we can do to alter the position we have in Christ. There's nothing we can do to make Him love us more, and there's nothing we can do for Him to love us any less. And when it, we've just been talking about if we truly desire God and ask His Spirit, He will do a transform, transformational work in our life. Maybe you're tired and weary and you need to find, to find rest in the arms of our Heavenly Father because the things of this world is eating you up bit by bit. There's this void in your heart that is getting bigger day by day and this void is getting more painful day by day. It's a burden that's getting heavier and heavier to carry. And I believe God wants to minister to you. He wants to minister to us tonight as we come to an end. So I'm going to ask you, we said it before, we're part of a family. We're all here to encourage each other, to build each other up, and to encourage and uh, spur each other on. And I'm going to ask you, if you identify with either of those groups, uh, to stand up. So if you feel the call that you have a conviction to bear better witness of your faith and to do the journey alongside someone else, I want to invite you to stand up. And also, if you need God to come to you to, and you're asking Him to uh, bring His light, to drive out the darkness in your life, uh, I want you to stand as well. As you come to Him and ask His Spirit to fill you afresh with a new identity of love, grace, and joy. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. And then as the team sings, I'm going to invite you just to stand uh, if you identify with either of those. There's no pressure, no obligation, uh, but I believe that God wants to meet us and uh, we're going to pray for each other. But how about I pray? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for the truth of your word, Father. And we just thank you for this uh, message of hope this message of grace, uh, that when we look to the things of this world, Father, we uh, uh, find ourselves to want more, God. And uh, we thank you that when we're in you, when we're placing our identities in you and not in the things of this world, you promise to meet with us uh, for your presence to fill us uh, with joy and hope. And Father, we just want to thank you that we can find happiness in you. In your name, amen. So guys, I invite you as a team sings, why don't you stand? And if you know the guys around you, uh, why don't you stand up as well and just pray? You don't have to share everything. You don't have to offload your whole story if you don't want to. But just, just ask God to minister to each other tonight as we finish up. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.